Welcome to Georgia Focus. I'm John Clark on the Georgia News Network. The Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, or DECAL, provides essential services and resources to meet the needs of families and to support the early learning community, all from one state agency wholly dedicated to the needs of our young ones. They are the primary resource for supporting high-quality early education in Georgia. Amy Jacobs is the commissioner of DECAL, and she joins me today. I have to have the uh, obligatory question about the pandemic, and now that COVID is sort of moving behind us, I know child care was a, a challenge during that time. How are things now? You know, uh, child care is, is doing well with challenges, so um, let me explain that a little bit. We're really fortunate in Georgia when we look at the number of child care programs pre-pandemic, and now it has remained the same, around 4,300 programs throughout the state. And other states have not experienced that. We're hearing from a lot of our friends in other states that they have seen a huge decline in permanently closed child care programs. Uh, and I, I attribute the success in Georgia to um, a couple things. Um, you know, one, we've been able to get out this, these federal dollars that we received um, directly from Congress to support child care pretty quickly. Um, and at the end of the day, we will have sent a billion dollars directly to child care programs to help them stabilize their business so that they can remain open because we know how important it is for them to remain open, not just for the children, but for the parents so that they can go to work. And then, you know, Governor Kemp never closed child care in Georgia. It remained open uh, during the pandemic, and child care providers did an incredible job of maintaining health and safety with all the additional COVID protocols that we had at that point to adhere to those. Um, and so I think, you know, if, if Governor Kemp had asked them to close, they would have never recovered from this because, as you can imagine, closing a business, you lose your enrollment, uh, you lose your teachers, and then building that back would take a lot of time. So um, I attribute, you know, maintaining the number of child care programs pre-pandemic to now um, to those two things. Now, that is not without challenges. Uh, we are hearing very consistently two big challenges from child care right now. They're, they're experiencing a decrease in enrollment of about, on average, 17%. Um, throughout the state. Now, of course, that, you know, that could vary depending um, where you are in the state. And, you know, of course, you know, their enrollment pays, pays their teachers, which pays their bills. And so um, that is difficult when these, these programs and small businesses are, are working on a small profit margin. But we're also hearing, and I think the biggest challenge right now is the workforce. And, uh, you know, I know every industry, you know, we're hearing it. I see a help wanted sign. I think, you know, every half a mile on my commute to work, um, and I definitely am seeing it at childcare um, when I'm, you know, out and about, and we're hearing it from providers. They're having a really tough time um, retaining their workforce right now. Um, on average, childcare uh, teachers make about twelve dollars an hour in Georgia, and you know, you you can you read the news, you know the news. Yeah. Um, you can make fifteen, twenty dollars an hour working at Walmart, Target, maybe even Amazon, and so. They're having a real struggle with keeping those teachers in the classroom right now. Why do you think um, there's a, a decline in kids going into going into child care programs? What is making parents hold hold back on that? You know, I think um, just in general, the way we do our work has changed. You know, I think a lot of parents are able to work from home, and they may want to work out, you know, uh, some some situation where they don't need to send their their child to child care all day, and maybe they're keeping their child home. I think some families are still a little bit hesitant to send um, their children back to child care just depending on what their health situation may be at home. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's that what's going on. I do think, you know, occasionally we do hear that they can't send their children because 
the teachers aren't there to care for them because of the workforce issues. So I think it's a number of issues. Um, I think we'll see that start to improve as, you know, the COVID cases continue to decline. When parents are looking for a good child care uh, around them, what are some of the things they should they should look out for and some of the questions they should ask? Well, the first thing I would tell them to do is go to qualityrated.org. Uh, that is our website, and it will show you every licensed child care facility in your area. You can search um, you know, close to your house, on your route from your house to your work, and it will give you all the um, information that we have on that program, including when we go out to do our monitoring and licensing visits. Um, I also encourage you to talk to your family and friends because there's nothing better than a personal reference. But then also look at our website and see what we found when we go and do our our inspections. Um, I also recommend that you visit the program and don't visit, you know, during their typical come take a tour hours. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, visit when they're not expecting you so you really see what's happening in the program. Um, You know, ask about their teachers, especially now given, you know, um, the workforce issues, ask about how they train them um, and how they um, continue to offer professional development um, for them. So I think those are the most important pieces at this point as far as finding child care. You know, we're hearing a lot more about mental health now, uh, some pandemic related, maybe some not. Uh, talk about the issue with that surrounding uh, child care. You know, what we're hearing uh, specifically from parents is they are worried about the social emotional skills in young children, which we would equate that to mental health. Um, You know, that's um, how you control your emotions, you know, react to your environment and really build those close relationships with your caretaker, whether it's your parent or your grandparent or your child care teacher. And we're hearing from parents that they're seeing a decline in that in their kids, not only because of the pandemic. I think that definitely has an impact when, you know, you're in child care, then you're closed because you got a COVID case, you know, you're back in, um, you're dealing with, you know, things at home, you know, folks could be sick. But you're also dealing with this teacher turnover again, and it's so important for young kids to build that relationship with their teachers, which then develop, help develop those social-emotional skills, which, again, we would refer to as mental health in young children. And they're seeing a decline in that because they're not able to build those relationships and those trusting bonds and relationships with teachers because of that teacher turnover. We do offer support here at DECAL, and we have for many, many years through our inclusion and behavioral support uh, specialists that will go out and work with programs and provide resources to teachers if they see any challenging behaviors or any issues with children around that, those social-emotional skills. And if we can't help it, then, of course, we would refer them out to uh, another service, which could be um, Babies Can't Wait or, or preschool special ed through the local school system. You have a, um, a pre-K summer transition program that you're offering again this year. Uh, I, I believe maybe the, the period has to, to sign up for that has, has passed probably, but in a, but talk about that program. So, yeah, we have um, offered the summer transition program for a little over a decade now, and it, it has two components. One is a rising pre-K program. So this is uh, for eligible students that will be entering a Georgia pre-K class that speak Spanish. Um, We know that Spanish-speaking students, although they're making gains in pre-K, they're not making quite the gains as their English-speaking peers. And so we offer them a six-week program in the summer to just give them a little bump before they enter pre-K. But our bigger program is our rising kindergarten program. And this is for students that have gone through Georgia pre-K. Maybe they they were on a wait list. Maybe they didn't have a a chance to go through Georgia pre-K. Maybe they were only there for a a few months. Um, or maybe they've been identified as just needing a little bit of extra time in that Georgia pre-K classroom before they enter kindergarten. And so this is a six-week program for students that will be entering kindergarten. 
um, to just give them a boost, to get them even more ready for kindergarten. And what we've done these uh, last summer and we'll be doing this summer, we're increasing the number of classes. We're doubling the number of classes that we offer because we know these four-year-olds have been in and out of pre-K. Maybe they didn't go to pre-K. You know, last year we had a virtual option. Luckily this year all our pre-K classes have been you know, in-person uh, learning. So, But we know during the pandemic kids need this extra six weeks more than ever, and so we're doubling that number again this year. We hope to serve about 3,400 kids all over the state in our summer transition program. And while our application has closed for programs to offer, uh, there's still, uh, we will be uh, posting a list of where those programs will be offered very soon on our website so parents can find um, a program if they need that type of program, that extra six weeks before kindergarten. And it's absolutely free. Oh, good. Okay, good. So they can just go on your web. When the time comes, they can just go to your website and find out where That is correct. Decal.ga.gov, and it is absolutely free. Okay. Um, important anniversary coming up this fall or later in the year. It's the 30th anniversary of, of Georgia's pre-K program, which was uh, which begun under Governor Zell Miller. Um, you know, it's 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 last. It's, it's been a long program, but a successful program. Obviously, talk about the program in general. Yeah, you know, we're so excited. We will be celebrating 30 years uh, next school year. Um, you know, we've consistently served about 80,000 four-year-olds uh, for about the last decade, which is about 60% of four-year-olds. You know, we certainly have seen a decrease in enrollment uh, the last couple of years. We're, we're about 72,000 right now. But the good news about Georgia Pre-K, you know, we're still maintaining. We have, a, we have Pre-K in 159 counties. You can choose a public school or a private child care program. But our research shows us that it, it does prepare you for kindergarten. And so students that attend Georgia Pre-K uh, make gains on all areas of learning above and beyond their peers that do not attend Georgia Pre-K. So... Um, it is an amazing program. It's a free program for four-year-olds. All you have to do is live and sleep in Georgia, and it's available all over the state. And so we will, of course, be happy to um, continue to offer that and celebrate 30 years next year. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a, the Georgia Pre-K program is a lottery-funded program, correct? That is correct. It is lottery-funded. Um, we spend about $400 million a year, which, of course, is um, – have to give credit to the lottery for continuing to, you know, bring in those dedicated resources so we can continue to fund our program and continue to, you know, support our teachers. They're receiving a, a $2,000 raise this year from Governor Kemp, um, just like um, our K-12 teachers will be receiving. And so we are definitely uh, thankful for the Georgia Lottery and they work they, the work they do to continue to financially support uh, this program. That has to be very welcome. That's right. I, I was actually just reading earlier today about rounding out that uh, the teacher uh, pay increases. I, I bet the uh, response to that is uh, is very positive. I would think. You know that that's a good thing when we send those types of emails out. <laughs> I know, right? It really. Is. Um, yeah. Yes. So we're very excited, and we appreciate Governor Kemp and the legislature always including pre-K teachers in yeah. any type of increase they do for K twelve teachers. Absolutely. The uh, getting kids off to the the early start, like what you guys do, uh, building that foundation is just vital isn't it absolutely you know we know so much about brain development and you know between but before the child enters kindergarten that's when the majority of their brain development is going to occur and when you expose them to positive uh, experiences and environments like a quality georgia pre-k program or a quality child care program that's really setting the sound uh, the foundation for future success so it is critically important Yes, and you also um, I want to talk about this summer again. It's hard to believe we're, we're already talking about summer. Time goes by so fast. You have the, uh, the food programs um, that you have throughout the summer statewide. Talk about those programs and what is offered. 
Yes, so the Summer Food uh, Service Program is a USDA program that we administer here at DECAL. Um, you know, oftentimes people forget during the summer that especially school-age children that usually eat the breakfast and their lunch at school, they may not have access to breakfast and lunch uh, during the summertime when they're not in school. And so we do work with nonprofits throughout the state um, to offer what we call Happy Helpings, um, and it is our summer food program. And these nonprofits will set up food distribution sites for school-age kids to come and get a meal, um, a lunch, and sometimes a snack during the summer. Um, they're all over uh, the state. It just kind of depends in your community. It's where children are. So it could be in a community center, like a Boys and Girls Club. It could be at a library. You know, it could be at a park. Sometimes they do mobile units. And so we want to make sure that um, these kids, school-age kids especially, that are out during the summer have access to uh, at least lunch when they're not getting that meal at school. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize the import- that that happens, really, because, you know, kids get the food in school, but then once school is out, they may not get the proper nutrition. So this really feels a void, and I, I think we forget about that sometimes. You know, we do, and we are always looking for additional um, providers to help us serve these meals because, like I always say, it's really not about lack of food. We've got the food. We've got the money to help you buy the food uh, thanks to the USDA. We just need you to provide the access. We need you to be a partner with us, sign up with us, go through our training, and then start serving these meals uh, to these kids because it is it is crucial. And, and it's a great program, um, it, and it's a balanced meal, of course. It, it meets the standards of the USDA, which is good. Um, so you know they're at least getting you know a balanced, healthy meal um, during the summer. So we are always looking for additional nonprofit uh, partners to help us serve these meals. Today, my guest is Amy Jacobs. She is a commissioner of DECAL, the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We're discussing some of their programs. Uh, commissioner, let's delve into some, some more of the programs we haven't covered so far. One of those is the CAPS program, the Child Care and Parent Services program that you have. Talk about that. So our CAPS program is the state's child care subsidy program, and it uh, provides financial assistance to families with young children to help them afford child care. Um, I think we've heard, you know, more now than ever how expensive child care is. It can be as much as in-state tuition at some colleges. Um, in Georgia, on average for an infant, it's about $8,000 a year. So just think about that. Wow. As, you know, you think about a budget, you know, for your family. And that I would say that's low. Of course, that's yeah. the average for an infant. So that's a lot of money. And that is, so, I was surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's overwhelming when you think about it. And so our subsidy program provides financial assistance to families um, that make $72,000 for a family of four or less. And we've been able to raise that uh, just recently. So more families will be eligible for our subsidy program. Usually we serve about 50,000 children in CAPS. Uh, due to the federal stimulus dollars that we've received, we have increased that and we're able to serve 60,000, which is um, a great benefit for families. But even at, in addition to that, uh, what we're doing through October of 2022 is for those families on CAPS, we're paying the full cost of tuition, which means uh, these families have no out-of-pocket expense for tuition and child care. Because even though we, we give them financial assistance, it often does not pay the full bill. And so on average, that's saving families about $130 a month per child if they're on our CAPS program. And we've heard from them that this has just been, you know, an amazing benefit. Um, it's helped them to do things like um, maybe put a down payment on a house or do things that they can't usually do for their kids, like karate lessons or piano lessons. And so 
we'll be talking about that uh, in the near future to see if we can ex- if we can continue to do that with some of our stimulus dollars. Um, so really good things uh, going in caps. You know, we're, we encourage anyone who thinks they might be eligible that's looking for child care to apply for our subsidy program so we can help them with that expense. It really just relieves a bit of a financial burden for them. Yeah, it really does. I, I like I said, I had no idea um, that it's uh, that expensive. It, it, that you hear it's expensive all the time, but that's that's pretty expensive. It really is. Yeah, yeah, and that's I would say that's low. That you yeah. know, that's just wow. average. So yeah. yeah, if you're thinking Metro Atlanta, it's definitely more than that. Oh wow, yeah. Now you also have the Head Start State Collaboration Office, um, which also uh, provides a lot of assistance as well. Talk about your work there. Yes, yeah, so um, you know, Head Start is what we consider a federal to local grant, and so federal dollars flow directly to usually local nonprofits or school systems per, to provide Head Start classrooms. They're similar to pre-K classrooms, but we do have a Head Start collaboration director who um, is housed here at DECAL, and she kind of works to kind of just build that bridge between DECAL and Head Start programs and pre-K programs. Head Start is a program that um, is uh, available for children with families with low income. Uh, they serve about 24,000 kids throughout the state. And what's different about Head Start, which is really great about Head Start, is they provide comprehensive services for the family. So health service, medical type services, mental health services, family support services, you know, depending on what the family needs, if it's access to you know, some type of workforce or job or higher education. And so Head Start is a great part of the early learning system for families to access if they meet those eligibility requirements. And our Head Start Collaboration Director just kind of helps to build that bridge between DECAL and the Head Start programs that are located throughout the state. Um, you now also have an Inclusion and Behavior Support Services Unit. Um, is that relatively new? And, and talk about what they do. So they are, I want to say, we have... Um, built that program in the last five years, and these are specialists that will work directly with child care programs and teachers when they have children that are experiencing challenging behaviors in the classroom. Uh, what we don't want to happen is for, you know, a child to have um, some type of challenging behavior. Maybe it's disruptive in the classroom. We do not want them to be expelled or removed from a child care program. How terrible is it to say we have to disenroll your two-year-old? And so, Instead, we want to go in and help these teachers, and our inclusion and behavior support specialists do just that. They go in and they help these teachers um, with classroom management and any other tools they might need to to help that child. And usually that's all they need. They just need to restructure their day, maybe provide some additional supports to the child and the teacher, and usually the problem is solved. If we can't solve the problem, what we don't do, we do not offer direct services like therapy um, or any type of um, counseling directly to children and families. So we would refer them out to make sure uh, the child and the family gets those services that they need so that they can be included in the classroom because we want all uh, children that desire to be in a child care setting to, you know, to feel included and the teachers to have those resources to do that type of support for all kids in their classroom. You, you mentioned this early uh, about uh, how you, you license and monitor and you, you, you make sure that Parents can find the the child care that is uh, as it should be, that is professional and really takes care of the needs and, and is above board. Talk about your efforts to do that as far as monitoring, uh, licensing, and even uh, even training uh, moving forward. Yes, yeah, so we, um, of course, we license all child care programs in the state. And what we also do is two unannounced visits um, every year. So every 12 months, every child care program receives 
and unannounced visits from one of our child care consultants. And, of course, we're looking to make sure they're following our rules. Um, and for the most part, child care is following our rules. They're in good standing with us. You know, of course, sometimes we see some areas for improvement, and we do have a technical assistance unit that will go in and, and provide any type of support uh, these providers need to come in compliance with our rules. What's good for parents and families is we post that. We have five years of what we would call inspection reports on our website. And so they can go there and they can see exactly what we see when we go into the program. We also encourage parents, you know, call us if you see something that you think is not right in a child care program. Or, you know, sometimes accidents happen. Those need to be reported to us as well. We will go out and investigate and decide if we need to take any action. Um, sometimes we do have to take action, uh, which could be, could be a fine. Um, it could just be technical assistance or it could be, you know, on the very, very extreme end of um, a revocation of a license if it's a very severe, yeah. non-correctable type of um, uh, action that has happened in the child care program. Uh, but parents have the access have access to five years of that so they can go in and see that. But I will tell you, child care has done an incredible job through the pandemic. You know, at the beginning we had a lot of additional requirements um, to make sure we could keep them as safe as possible. They've had to deal with, you know, closing classrooms due to exposure and figuring out how they manage all that. I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I have to say they've done an incredible job. Um, and we felt like uh, we have hope we've supported them through this. And I hope we're on the other side of this pandemic at this point as far as um, the child care additional requirements go. Yeah. And, and we were talking earlier, too, about the need for people to work in child care. Uh, if someone wants to, wants to be involved, what do you recommend as far as uh, is getting, getting into child care? You know, what we find is uh, folks that want to be in the child care industry are usually starting, they're applying for a job in child care, and then they might get that training or education while they're there. Uh, the good news is we have financial supports to do that here. It's called Decal Scholars. Uh, we provide scholarships uh, to help pay for that education. We also provide incentives once you get that degree to incentivize you to stay in the workforce. And so there are financial assistance programs through DECAL um, available. Of course, you know, I always like to compliment my partner, the Technical College System of Georgia. You can go get, you know, a credential or a diploma or an associate's degree all over the state in a technical college, and you may be able to use a HOPE grant um, and get that um, that education paid for for free. The other thing that we're doing for our workforce right now is what we call power payments. These are one-time uh, $1,000 payments directly to child care teachers, bus drivers, nutrition specialists. If you work in a child care program or a pre-K program, uh, we are trying to keep you in that program and incentivize you to stay, but also recognize the tremendous amount of dedication you had throughout this pandemic. And so, so far we have provided two of these payments. We will provide another in May, and so that will be, if you've been in the workforce since June of last year, you will receive $3,000 from DECAL, uh, just as recognition and, and hopefully an incentive to stay in the workforce, which would equate to about $100 million that we will be sending directly to these child care teachers to hopefully say thank you, but also keep them in this industry. Also, you have a foundation um, that works to leverage private and, and public resources. It's the Georgia Foundation for Early Caring Learning. What did they do? You know, they were created back in 2017. Um, you know, we saw a great need for a 501c3 to help raise some private dollars because there was definitely some momentum going, um, wanting to support child care, wanting to support quality of child care, 
and wanting to support teachers. And so they raise dollars to help us do things that we wouldn't normally do as a state agency with our federal and state dollars. Some of the big things that uh, the foundation does, uh, we announce a pre-K teacher of the year every year. We do we announce two, one for public, one for private. And these are the best of the best pre-K teachers throughout the state. They are, serve as our ambassadors. And so we're able to highlight the importance of them, the work that they do. And we're also able to, you know, of course, with private dollars, uh, we'll award them financially, too, for being a pre-K teacher of the year. This year, we started the Early Educators of the Year, which recognizes the best, the best infant, toddler, and preschool teachers. Uh, and our foundation is able to handle that through private donations. So they serve as our ambassadors to talk about and really just raise up the profession um, that these are teachers. They're not babysitters. And, of course, we also are able to give them some financial incentives. But throughout the pandemic, the foundation has come through in major ways and raising money to provide technology grants to providers um, so they can go through the quality rated process because uh, they may not have the technology to do that. Um, you know, provide some scholarships uh, to families to help pay for child care. So they've done it all, and they kind of fill in the gaps where we may not be able to do it as a state agency. And it's really been a nice addition to our work here at DECAL. Well, Commissioner, you uh, you have a busy agency in DECAL. That's that's for sure. A lot of programs to keep up with, and, and uh, it's good to talk to you again. I appreciate you uh, coming on today to outline what you guys have, have been up to. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time. That is Amy Jacobs. She is the commissioner for DECAL, the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. You can find out more about their services at decal.ga.gov. If you have questions or comments about today's program, you can always email me, John Clark at georgianewsnetwork.com. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you next week right here on your local radio station on Georgia Focus. (laughs) 